Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. Welcome to the show, Gearheads. We just watched the Tuscan Grand Prix at Mugello for Formula One. It's John Massengill. I'm sitting in the studio in Austin, and I have Jonathan Green and Les Kaiser on the line via Zoom. What'd you think, Jonathan? What'd you think of this race? I, I think people should start calling in because there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> um, really pleased for Alban. I thought he drove brilliantly. Um, I'd forgotten how cambered that turn one is. It's a great slingshot, and uh, he used it to good effect. Um, really pleased for him. And I thought his line to the team, thanks for sticking with me, uh, told a very, very interesting tale. Yeah, he said, thanks for sticking with me. And he also said, while he was on the podium interview, he said, I can breathe. I think yeah. both of those... <laughs> indicate the fact that he felt that he was underperforming. Yeah, yeah. In in the land of Max Verstappen. What about you, Les Kaiser? What'd you think, man? Is it another great race? That was great. And, you know, we always talk about turn one being uh, you got to survive it. Well, this one obviously uh, caused a big problem. I, gosh, you know, I got to wonder, uh, Jonathan, maybe you can tell from having seen it in person, if they had moved the starting line closer to start to the uh, T1, could that have helped avoid that situation? In, in a way, um, yeah. I mean, I think to me, that is the most controversial point of the whole race is that Valtteri Bottas did nothing wrong. Um, and in fact, it's obviously something they discussed uh, because it was a very unusual restart. Usually you back the field up when the pace car goes off. Usually the pace car's uh, lights go off uh, maybe two or three corners beforehand, and he's well clear. But as you can see, the way Mugello is designed, you're on the front straight before uh, the, the safety car can physically go off. Uh, and he was very late with the lights. That's my only um, problem with it. And I, I, it might have spooked uh, Valtteri that he was going another lap. But either way, <clears throat> once Valtteri got control of the race, it was pointless to accelerate away because you just give the man behind you a chance for a slipstream, which, you know, which he wasn't about to do. So he did exactly the right thing, which is to slow them all the way to the start line and then go. But of course, like I said, a bit of an experience. The green lights are on. Uh, so it was a bit of geography, i.e. the way this track is set out. But also there's some lessons to learn for the stewards, I think, for, for a, a similar thing in the future. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, I think Valtteri managed it very well. And uh, even though the results, I, I can't say I blame him for it uh, at all, to be honest. I think Valtteri managed that exactly what you want to do. You want to play that? The guy in the lead for a restart like that is the one that's setting the, the dance. You follow his lead and you go. Yeah. Well, it was crazy. The first ever Tuscan Grand Prix off to a crazy start. How many drivers were involved in that? In those? Four. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, was... and science, science, if you can, his spin. Yeah. 
That's true. But, yeah, I mean, how many – so we've had at least three red flags. There was three red flags in the last two races, guys. I mean – I know. Unheard of. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. And I think they said it had been, like, over seven years since we had a red flag. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, unusual. Two and, Very yeah. unusual. I, I'm surprised at how often they are using the re- the actual red flag rather than safety. But I think they've been – I think that they're, they're a bit gun shy when it comes to not um, red flagging because they've had situations like like with Stroll where if he couldn't get out the car or whatever it might be. Um, so I think they're being cautious, but it is changing the, the face of the racing. And of course, now they've gone to standing starts, which again, at this particular circuit means you're a bit of a sitting duck. Uh, and I had a feeling that Ricardo would get off the line well, and he did. Uh, it was a shame he couldn't keep going. Yeah, I I'd think, like to see uh, Mr. Abatable with a with a British flag on his uh, on his arm. <laughs> there you go. You know, I think one of the things that contributed to uh, not only the excitement but uh, the detriment of so many of these drivers was the runoffs. There are not what they're accustomed to nowadays. This is an old school facility, and uh, it's not as forgiving as a lot of them are. No, you're absolutely right. It really is predominantly a bike grand prix circuit and that's hence the gravel the thick thick gravel because those guys are going just as quick and they need to slow down really quickly and and stop um whereas like you said on modern courses we're used to a lot more runoff and we saw it both in qualifying and in the race um that people got into problems by by the sheer fact that the you know they were pushing track limits and sometimes going over them yeah you know that uh you know they've talked about what to make modern tracks more exciting Maybe it's deeper gravel traps. <laughs> you might be right. I like it, though, as a, as a racetrack. I think it's good. I think it, it gives um, some good racing. Um, similar to the bikes, there's that opportunity down the front straight and the heavily cambered turn one. And like I said, I'd forgotten what a, you don't really see it in bike racing, but clearly there is a massive slingshot uh, a la uh, Ricardo and as we saw with Hamilton. Um, around that first corner. And so it makes for, you know, a really good planned overtake. Well, of course, the 90th win for Lewis Hamilton. Wow, that's an amazing number, isn't it? And, of course, the first podium contrast for Alexander Albon. Yeah. Go ahead, Jonathan. Yeah, happy for him. Yeah, happy for him. Um, um, You know, uh, he's uh, he's up against it. I mean, uh, never easy uh, to be Verstappen's teammate. We were talking about it before the race. Um, But I think he's uh, that podium will go a long way at this point in the season to give him a running chance at the second half of the season and take the pressure off him. Because I think if it had built up any more, he would have been looking in his rearview mirror who was going to replace him. Hey, what about Botas? He had a really good start, uh, mainly because Hamilton had a really bad start. But once again, he's not able to beat Hamilton. Uh, what do you What do you think about Botas, Jonathan? I, I, his race? I've got a, yeah, I've got a thing on that. Uh, I think we saw a different Valtteri today. Um, we saw a I'll use the expression pissed off that Valtteri uh, because he was he wasn't happy, um, and I, I like the fact that he said, "Give me whatever Hamilton isn't having." Um, there's a, <laughs> there's an aggression there that is finally what we wanted to see out of, out of uh, Botas. I, I mean, you know, it's six, six wins to one at the moment. Um, and yet he's inches away in qualifying every weekend. Uh, had they had Ocon not gone off in qualifying, it could have been Botas's pole position. But as you saw, um, he had a start. You know, I mean, you know, what might've happened is the, is the, is the, is the, 
it's the famous word in, in sport, isn't it? Because if he got away with that start and there hadn't been that big crash behind, it would have been his race, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, less. So I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing with Botas, and I think he's going to have a good second and a half of the season and take it to uh, Lewis. He's within reach, too. He, it's not, not that far. You know, so. Uh, Was he 55 points? I think is where he is after today. Right. And, and there's no question they're on the limit. There's no question the Mercedes pushing, you know, the, the, the fact that they had to stay off the, um, you know, off the. Uh, curbs and stuff means that they're right on the on the ragged edge. Hamilton wasn't happy about the fact that effectively the team were asking him to slow down. And um, yeah, it, it, it makes for a very interesting second half. Sochi and some of the other circuit, Portimao, places we've not been, Imola for a long time. You know, it, it's going to be interesting. It's it's I wouldn't say it's over, but um, I think it's going to be closer than perhaps um, we first suspected with Hamilton running away with so many victories early on. Yeah, going back to the start of the race, Max Verstappen uh, also had a great opportunity to move ahead of Hamilton into second behind Botas, but that's when his car started having trouble. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, and I felt for Leclerc too. I thought he did a good job, got a great start, drove well. Um, Not been a great weekend for their thousandth, um, but uh, Leclerc at least uh, gave it a good run. Hey, what about Daniel Ricciardo? He was just voted driver of the day by F1 on the F1.com, but uh, he had a great race as well. Another one. Kept out of trouble, did the job. Um, very close to getting third. Uh, I think he took that car to its limits, yeah. I really do. He was on it. He was uh, totally within control. He had some great battles uh, throughout the day. And, uh, you know, he, he kind of, I don't know if I'd say he lost some focus there in the race towards the end, but I felt like he started losing a little bit of the aggression uh i don't know if he was already picking on a tattoo for cyril or not but uh that <laughs> is he seemed to lose just a little bit of that focus that when's, he had early on when's the last time you guys watched an f1 race we only had 12 cars finished we only had what two teams that finished both cars we had uh, obviously uh, mercedes and ferrari i think that's the only two teams that finished both cars yeah that's what it looks like and uh man Russell, I want to play a team radio from George Russell because he was so close to getting the first point. So that would have been great to see some points, not only for him, but uh, but for the Williams team. Let's hear this team radio from Russell. Guys. I don't know what to say. Without that red flag, we would have been in the points. Launch off the line. Lost all there. Ah. I was driving as f-ing fast as I could afterwards. Yeah, it would have been nice to have some points for the new owners of the Williams team. You know, you know what I just said about Botas. I'm I'm starting to notice it with Russell too. He's he's starting to become a, a proper Formula One racing driver. The confidence of how uh, miffed he is by not getting his first points shows you that uh, both Williams and he are, are coming forward fast. And and I really do think the future's pretty looking pretty bright for the new investors, uh, and certainly for George Russell's future, looking really good. Yep. Uh, Lando Norris in sixth. Perez in fifth and sixth. We haven't talked about those. And Perez doing good while he's on his way out the door. What do you think about that, Jonathan? Yep. I think, uh, and unfortunately, uh, Perez has kind of got to do that now. Uh, He needs to out-qualify Stroll, who also is is driving very well at the moment. Um, But his future, obviously, is not with that team. Um, we heard what Dave O'Neill was saying uh, pre-race, um, you know, about the options for Perez. 
But I, I don't really have much fear. I think people know now that he's a, um, you know, a stable set of hands. He very rarely makes mistakes. He drove well again today. Uh, kept out of trouble in what was a lot of trouble uh, out there. Um, and I, I, I don't fear that uh, Perez will pick up a drive. It really depends on who he thinks has the most to invest in his time and energy and Carlos Slim's money in. All right, guys, we got a caller on the line. We got George from Virginia. He called hey. last week. I wanted, Hey, George, did you get your hat yet? No, not yet. Um, I checked I the it, DHL I'll... tracking, and it should be there any day. But, George, we are, we're almost out of time. Just got like about a minute. Okay, quickly. Ferrari pace. Ooh. Discuss. Oh, uh, ugly uh, yeah. is the word that comes to mind. Ugly. <laughs> yeah, l- were it not for the other distractions, it would have been a historically terrible day in the Tuscan Mountains for the Scud- Scuderia. Yeah, George, thinking it, I was watching as soon as the race got restarted and got, we actually got underway, I was watching Lance Stroll behind Raikkonen, I mean, behind Leclerc, and I was like, there's no way. He's not. He's going to pass him in three laps, and it wasn't much beyond that. But, yeah, George, the Ferrari pace was ugly. Not That's just I mean, this season and not a good one for their 1,000th Grand Prix. I see a lot of heads rolling. A lot of heads rolling in Ferrari all season. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't it's, doubt it. And I don't know what I'm that's going to look you, like. George. Go ahead, Les. You no, I said, I'm with you, George. <laughs> I started questioning if that wasn't going to happen uh, last week. Yeah. Well, George, we are we're just about up against it, buddy. Thanks for for calling in and listening again, and uh, we will uh, we'll keep an eye on that DHL tracking number for your hat, buddy. <laughs> a great great show, guys. Take care. All right, thanks. Thanks, George. Yeah, guys, just looking down the grid. Any anything else jump out at you? Anybody else? Um, I thought Roman Grosjean had a good day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know he finished at the the back, but but he did. He had a good pass. I wrote in my notes he had a really good pass. On, on, on Yeah, on Vettel. That's who it was. Yeah. All right, guys, we need to go ahead and take a quick break and listen to Speed City. We're live in Austin back after these messages. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in Dayaneese leathers, the best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin, online at DucatiAustin.com. At Circle Brewing, the belief is less is more when it comes to brewing a better beer. You won't find any chemicals or additives, only water, malt, hops, and yeast, and absolutely nothing else. Just simple ingredients and outstanding taste. It's German purity with Texas ingenuity. Find the brews on tap all over town in your favorite store or drop by the tap room at 2340 West Breaker Lane. Open Thursday and Friday nights and weekends. Log on to circlebrewing.com. Circle Brewing Company, born, bred, and brewed in Texas. Winding Road Racing is a leading provider of road racing and performance equipment at each of our locations in Texas, California, Georgia, and Kentucky. But we know some racers want that same high-quality gear, customer service, and pricing without leaving home. Check out the online store at windingroadracing.com. It's got all the same high-quality brands you've come to know us for. Alpine Stars, Stilo Helmets, Chill Out, and AIM Data Systems, all available at great prices and delivered directly to you with free shipping. Log on now at windingroadracing.com. 
Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Hi guys, this is Pegasti and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio. Speed City. Welcome back to the show. Pierre Gasly, last week's winner, welcoming us back to the show. <laughs> didn't last long, but, did but, it? But the fun, the party didn't go on, did it? Yeah. That's I thought he bad. said Rick Astley, not, not Pierre Gasly. <laughs> no, no. Come on. We've not been Rick rolled. No, sir. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, we're going to wrap up the, uh, we're going to continue our discussion of the the uh, Tuscan Grand Prix at Magello, but we're also going to talk a little IndyCar, maybe a little NASCAR in today's show. But yeah, let's continue on the Tuscan Grand Prix, guys. Uh, we've got we've gotten through most of the grid already, but Daniel Kvyat in the points this week at seventh. And but we didn't talk Norris up in sixth though. What about his race, Les? What do you think of Lando Norris this week? And yes, uh, I, I think Norris uh, just rocked it. He, he's always been doing great. I'm really enjoying watching him mature through all of this. Uh, yeah, he's more great things to come. He's a fun, fun driver to watch right now, and obviously very talented. So, uh, what you about know, you, Jonathan? Good, yeah, we've got a good midfield battle starting to erupt. If you if you take the top, I'm looking at the drivers' championship now. If you take the top three, which is Hamilton, Bottas, Verstappen, they're in their own world, and then you've got Lando Norris in fourth place, two points ahead of uh, Alexander Albon after that podium. Then Stroll is just uh, five or so, six points away from him. And then Ricardo's a couple of points off him. And then Leclerc and Perez are eighth and ninth in the championship. Can you believe it? Yeah. And uh, can you believe that Sebastian Vettel is 13th, 13th yeah. in the championship? And Kvyat is catching him. Yeah, with only 17 points. Now, this is a good time to look at the driver standings and the constructor because we're halfway through the season. So sure. it's a good point. So, yeah. I mean, so it's going to be a good gap battle is what I'm saying between Ricardo, Stroll and um, Alban and Norris, I think, mm-hmm. for, the, for, the, for the best of the rest, as it were. You know, what about the speed of that Renault car, that Renault power, that, that power plant is was. Did you see him catching the racing point, you know, the which we talk about as being so fast with the Mercedes? You see that? Yeah. And, and I, like I said, I, I've said it before. I, I mean, they've got no customers next year. Um, because, uh, of course, um, McLaren are going back to Honda. Excuse me, uh, are going to Mercedes. Um, so if I were Renault or Alpine, as they will be, I'd, I'd be looking for Haas or somebody else to bite the bullet. 
Yeah, it's really true because they've they've obviously got it figured out because I mean you know it's DRS with he was when he was catching the the racing point, but man, he's that car looks fast and and Daniel has looked great lately. And and weren't you guys expecting it on that last restart when Ricardo passed Botas? I was it was perfect. I was it was perfect classic Ricardo. Oh yeah. I, and he, you know, it's so funny because I was kept thinking to myself, why aren't the commentators saying, because they kept talking about Valtteri's chance and all this. And I was like, yeah, it is. But what about Ricardo's chance? He's yeah. a great starter and he'll be thinking, forget Mercedes. They're going to be watching each other. I'll just go plow through. And that's what he almost did. Dive bomb down in there. Did you? Yeah. And I would, like I said, I really would have, I love when you see somebody who's leaving a team perform really great right before they walk out the door. Yeah. Here's, here's an interesting fact for you, too. Looking at the Constructors' Championship, third in the championship are McLaren-Renault in their last year with Renault engines. And I say that, third in the championship are McLaren. Yeah. How Formula One changes over four years. And Renault, the factory team, are fifth overall. Yeah. Yeah, with the racing point in front. But ahead of mm. Ferrari. <laughs> uh Yeah. Looking down the the constructors, also Haas has a point. Williams still doesn't have one, and Alpha with four. But but yeah, that midfield battle: uh, Alphatari fifty three, Ferrari sixty six, Renault eighty three, Racing Point ninety two, McLaren one hundred six. Hey John, I d- tell you one thing I did think about today. What the commentators brought up, which is the new investors, the American investors into Williams were there at Mugello in the pit box. And I would have said there's a lot for them to uh, chew on there in, in a good way, which is they've seen a very professionally run team. They've got a new managing director and they were literally one point, you know, uh, one lap away from being in the points. And as you heard, Russell's fr- frustration there. So they've really got something to, to get get stuck in with. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy for them. I know this is such a great story for us as Americans to see this, sure. this team being, you know, I know it's Williams. I know we've talked at all about that, how that's that that brand that iconic name, but still, it's exciting for us, man, with this Doralton Capital owning them and getting involved, you know, deeper and deeper Americans into the sport. So I love it. Yeah, um, we're, we're certainly, uh, we've got them on the invitation list to uh, join us here on Speed City. Absolutely. Yeah. I haven't heard back yet, man, but they're, they get a little bit on their hands, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking through uh, my race notes and... I, it was 22 laps to go that Ricardo ended up, you know, he came out of that pit cycle with a good podium position. He basically stayed, you know, in third or fourth throughout the entire last 22 laps. And the other thing I had in my notes was that big crash for Stroll. I mean, he hit hard into the barriers. And, man, did you see the car? Not only, uh, we talked about it before the break, how it was smoldering for 30 minutes, but that car looked totally demolished. I mean, I don't know if you ever get how close you get to completely scrapping a car, but that thing looked like a complete disaster. Yeah. It's not going to pass its uh, next inspection, is it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The insurance company insurance company is going to total that bad boy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jonathan, uh, when they replace a car like that, uh, what's that do to their points and penalties? Well, if you have to, yeah, all the counts. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, uh, I mean, you may have noticed in the notes that uh, Haas um, replaced their engine and in Grosjean's case, their turbocharger. And I would say all of the above um, for Lance Stroll, which is they're going to have to put a new engine in it. It looked like the batteries, um, the electric batteries, the regenerative 
uh, equipment was also uh, falling foul. So, yeah, it, it's not a good situation. And I, I'm guessing that, you know, the first thing is, is the chassis bent. Um, you know, it's it, it's almost, a, I'd like to get Dave's take on it because it's all, to me, it looked like a complete rebuild and a start from scratch again. Yeah. Hey, uh, also in my notes, I thought that red Mercedes looked awesome. The The safety car. Yeah, but it didn't oh, know yeah. when to put the lights out. I didn't know where to put the lights out, but man, didn't the car look awesome? That was a gorgeous Mercedes GT. Yeah, yeah, good. I love that. Uh, not sure what that color is. I'm, I suspect it's not the same as the Ferrari red, but uh, I, you I know. No, I think it was. I think that was the idea, wasn't it? I doubt if they would call it that. No, well, <laughs> I, I think it was. I think that was their whole idea. No, it was, it was a Ferrari tribute. red? Yeah. yeah. You think it really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the that was what they were what they were going for there. Oh, no, they absolutely were. I think it's a, a nice little respectful nod to him. I, I would just be surprised if he's saying. Or was it Mercedes just feeling sorry for the red team on, on the thousand? <laughs> Don't that say that. Uh, hey, they there was a Ferrari red car to, at the front, but it was a Mercedes. Three yeah, they wanted, exactly. They wanted to see Ferrari, have Ferrari see a red car. Hey, on the note of the safety car and the timings of those, when Stroll hit the wall, uh, you know, we saw the flags come out and go into that safety car came out and Kimmy made a rookie hey, mistake and cut across the pit in lines uh, past the diversion area. He what he should not have crossed those lines to go into the pit. He should have continued on course and that wound up costing five seconds penalty in it. I felt like that was a rookie mistake for him, uh, possibly because he's so wound up knowing what's uh, what's at risk immediately in his setting. Uh, what do you think of that, John? Uh, you know, I mean, look, you call a rookie st- rookie mistake, but at, you know they're at a new track. Um, you know, I, I don't. I, I think it was it played into the end of the race kind of nicely there because you heard George Russell trying to. You know, he knew that that five second penalty was going to move right in and out of there. But I don't know. I don't think it was some a, a big giant deal. He's getting old for a rookie. Maybe he needed his glasses so he could get in a bit quicker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got this. <laughs> I've got this. Who was it that sounded like rocking it on team radio today? Uh, I think maybe Russell. It was, it was Russell. Did you hear what he, he sounded just like rocking it? He was like, leave me alone. I'm yeah. going as fast as I can. I was waiting for him to say, I've got this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, know I was, what I'm uh, doing. <laughs> yeah, I know what I'm doing. Hey, do you guys follow a guy, uh, Sean Kelly, the virtual stat man on Twitter? He is really fantastic. I retweeted him during the race, but he's great follow. But the retweet that I said was um, he thinks it was the third time, only the third time in F1 history that we had three standing starts in the same day after Austria in 1987, Belgium in 1990. That's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and those are usually weather. That, that, that yeah, that. exactly. Without rain, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Very strange times. And uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm still not a, I'm not a uh, convert necessarily of, of the non-rolling restart. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I tell you, yeah. go ahead, Les. I think, after, I think after today, they may rethink that, uh, you know, that, that obviously caused one of the issues with Botas managing the pace in the manner he did. Uh, like I said, again, it's not Botas's fault. It was how everybody else prepared for that. They saw the green light. They expected he would speed up. He doesn't have to, uh, you know, there's no speeding up or, or there's no speeding up by anybody else but Botas until the until uh, he crossed the line and he wasn't at the line yet. So yep. that's where a lot of the confusion came from. 
All right, guys, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We, Jonathan, let's take a break, and we come back and pick back up on that if you'd like, sir. But uh, when we come back, we are going to continue F1. But at, at later in the show, we're going to talk a little uh, IndyCar, too, because we had a race yesterday, and we got one today. You listen to Speed City in Austin, Texas, back after these messages. When you're looking for traditional Tex-Mex, look no further than an Austin favorite, one in a million. Serving original family recipes since 1980 and located just minutes from downtown at 2300 East Cesar Chavez, one in a million has your Tex-Mex fix every day of the week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Breakfast is served all day. Homemade migas, enchiladas, and menudo. And try the Don Juan taco. Some say it's big enough to feed a family of four. One in a million. Online at oneinamillion.com. Motivation USA, catering to the sport bike enthusiast looking for truly unique parts and accessories. Stand out from the crowd. Motivation is the exclusive North American distributor for SC Project MotoGP inspired exhausts and the largest Rizoma retailer in the United States. Get the best parts from around the world at the best prices with fast shipping and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Shop online 24 7 at motivationusa.com. That's motivationusa.com. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Austin's Talk, 1370. Hi, this is Jay Leno from jaylenosgarage.com, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio. Speed City. All right, when we went to break, cut you off. Jonathan, you were going to talk about something interesting about about the clutches and all these restarts. Yeah, I just it was something that Martin Brundle on uh, ESPN um, asked Franz Tost about, uh, the uh, AlphaTauri team manager. But, 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 you know, having that many standing starts is really rough on the clutches and transmission. And, um, you know, they're not really designed for that many starts. And stop, start, stop, start type thing. Um, so that was concern, but they, they, it, it didn't turn out to be a problem. But again, it's something that um, the stewards might look at and race control might look at in terms of the future and potential rolling starts versus standing starts. Um, we'll see. Yeah, but it also leads into the discussion about this, you know, crazy 2020 about what all was the last couple of weeks, obviously, the, particularly, but all the different things that, uh, we can talk about we've you, know, you you experiment with all these these standing restarts last week we essentially got a, a reverse grid 
So it's been good that we can have all this experimentation. Yeah, and I actually think COVID is, has been, in a weird way, good for motor racing to reassess itself uh, as a sport <laughs> and as a business. Um, and right across the board, from NASCAR to IndyCar to Formula One, and even down to the lower ranks, everybody, you know, basically doing a hurry-up weekend. Um, in the case of NASCAR and uh, Indy, doing no qualifying and free practice and going straight for it, which has worked brilliantly. Uh, and Formula One looking potentially at, um, you know, what can happen if you do have a topsy-turvy grid, uh, as we did last weekend and to a certain extent this weekend because of the amount of crashes? Um, it does mix it up. It does mix it up. And I, and I, and I, you know, I look to the future with, you know, our thinking caps on as to what worked, what didn't work during COVID and how we can, you know, cut, cost cut and keep the show interesting. Yeah, and think about the the ratings that we've had this year. Not only is yeah. Formula One up again on ESPN, but the ratings of IndyCar and NASCAR have been huge. I haven't looked closely at, at MotoGP ratings, but I know IndyCar and NASCAR have been uh, really high. Yeah, and I think with, you know, um, baseball getting a slow start to their season, it's been a, a summer where people are, you know, obviously been locked up, and so they want they're, they're, they're keen for sport. And I think, you know, NASCAR got a, a jump on everybody by uh, doing as many races as they've done. They're already in the playoffs. Um, you know, an IndyCar, uh, uh, you know, four races to go. So, you know, um, there's been quite a lot of motor racing on TV when other sports like NFL, which is just starting out this weekend, you know, have, have not had the interest because we've had no preseason games and the NBA have been a bu in a bubble and doing their playoffs. But it, it's just given a chance for, for, for more viewing figures probably from different angles, from different people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like the caller said in our first show, on our pre-show, the Netflix yep. has driven that as well. I mean, I love that caller because he had, he, he'd never, he said, I've never watched a race before. He watched yeah. the Netflix, got intrigued by it. <laughs> I love the fact that he was a Grosjean fan after that. That's cool too. But he, uh, you know, that's how many people have done that. So that, that's, there, there's, you know, you said it, Jonathan, how the sport has kind of reassessed itself. The entire world, every business on the planet is having to do that same thing. You know, how, how, do, they, how, how do they have people in their businesses or how do they have their employees working from home? And so uh, motorsports has been no different. But, hey, Les, you had something you wanted to talk about right during the break. I forgot what you said. You bet. There's a, a, a new qualifying purse, if you will. That uh, if oh, you're yeah. going to bring a team to Formula One and get on the grid, you've got to invest $200 million into the organization itself uh, that winds up uh, help uh, kind of ensuring or, or guaranteeing the other teams that you're not, uh, you're not coming in poorly funded, basically. And so uh, it's interesting because you, you can get onto the course, you can get onto the grid uh, in one fashion and maybe survive for a little bit. But this actually kind of raises the requirement uh, to a point that the teams are not going to get a low ball team in there. They're also going to get a quality team that comes in financially and that uh, protects the Formula but, One brand as uh, being what it is. But isn't that so, uh, isn't that totally counterintuitive to the salary cap of 150 million? It seems it certainly. Uh, but I think it uh, would be a, a, akin to me to trying to go play golf 
at the Masters. <laughs> yeah, I've seen and, you play uh, golf. There you go. <laughs> though it might be humorous, uh, it probably really wouldn't be good for the sport, and those that are serious about the sport would would uh, probably be upset. Yeah, don't do that. No. <laughs> don't play golf. I don't have the shorts for it. <laughs> no. Yeah, but but what do you think, Jonathan? I mean, we are sitting here talking about how we need to make the sport more affordable. I, I, it's weird because I don't think anybody's going to try to get into Formula One. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't honest, agree with I think, this. I think it's an insurance policy for the other teams. They've signed a five-year deal, and what they don't want to be is hoodwinked into a, a situation where somebody else goes, oh, okay, so it's only 150, here I come. You know? Yeah. I, I, I think that, to me, is what it sounds like, especially for teams like Haas, who've committed now for five years. Um, if another team showed up, um, you know, I, I don't know. That, Let's make it a one, deposit. one angle, I guess. Let's but, make it but, a deposit where if you stay in, <laughs> you, get, you get some of your money back. I don't know. It just seems like a lot of money to uh, in the era of, hey, we're trying to spend less money. But I'll tell you what, what I would like to, to point out. And like I said, I mentioned NASCAR and Indy. Uh, this whole thing with no practice and really no qualifying day is working and it works in NASCAR especially um, is that they, you know, you, you race what you brung and it makes actually for some very interesting results because, you know, you're, you're, you're adjusting the cars on the fly. And, I, and I'd like to see that in Formula One. I'd like to see us just have Saturday and Sunday and do away with Friday. That would save a lot of money with a load in Thursday night, perhaps, and preparation and scrutineering on Friday and your press conferences and media time maybe even a little bit of a you know show and tell uh, autograph session to make friday a relaxed scrutineering stroke on stroke you know you know you get out of work on a friday afternoon as you should be uh, and then head over to the track maybe for the evening autograph session and then you're straight into a quick qualifying session saturday morning followed by a, you know a, a, a qualifying race one uh, that will decide the grid for sunday yeah, it's a good point. I, you know, you think about other major sports, at least here in the United States, you don't have that many days of, of coverage. Of I think those, yeah, I think those days are over. Yeah, I, I'm not going to argue. I mean, and, and that, like you were saying before, that could be one of those changes that comes out of this, this COVID 2020 season. I mean, you look at it from a broadcast point of view. I mean, you know, you get a platform like ESPN because they've got the, the, the portal, so on, so on, so forth. But that can all be live streamed now. So, you know, I, I, I still don't think TV companies want three days of Formula One coverage or can, or can afford the bandwidth. That's why the cable companies, which is another big argument, is why should the cable companies and not the national broadcasters be showing uh, the races? Because that, that precludes you uh, from a lot of fans who could potentially watch it. So, you know, um, I, I do think that if we could get more free-to-air live coverage on the national um, platforms, you'd get more interest. Yeah, I won't argue with that. Um, speaking of this COVID season, did y'all see the article? I think it was on, yeah, it was racefans.net. I like this because um, it, it's obvious, but it, I hadn't really thought about it, where the FAA expects very little change in the COVID-19 restrictions for the 2021 season. You know, we've been so focused as a, as a world on uh, when are we going to get out of this crazy pandemic? But I, I think we all know that it's not going to happen this year and we don't, and, and really next year for formula one, I, they're, they're saying that it's going to continue with the same restrictions that they've had in all the paddocks and probably the, the fans as well. 
Well, I, I'll say something that I've said it many times before, but as in as in motor racing, as in life, and frankly, Mo, uh, Formula One have got it right. They're taking the right precautions. They're doing everything that the rest of the world should be doing, which is testing, 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 and keeping, you know, if there is anybody like Perez positive, putting him into quarantine, and, and it's a controlled environment. And, and I think it should continue that way, both for the health of the sport and for the health of the, of the individuals involved, of, of which there are, you know, a couple of thousand people involved in Formula One. Um, and sport, I think, across the board has been very responsible um, with this deadly virus um, and, and can be an example to all of us um, about how to go about it. Yeah. Uh, hey, I want to ask you guys, did I say who got driver of the day? I think it was. Ricardo, I think. It was yeah. not. It was Ricardo? Or was it Russell? Ricardo. It was Ricardo. Yeah. Uh, Albon is who I was going to say. That's who I was going to say. I think Albon should have got it, not Ricardo. Ricardo had a great race, but I think it should have been Albon today. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it was such a, such, like he was he, he, talking on the radio. It's, it was a huge weight list lifted off his shoulder. So, uh, his very first podium and, uh, Jonathan, what about, I saw another story about, uh, total wolf comparing reverse grid F1 races to NASCAR's chase for the cup. What do you think about that? As in, sorry, he... Yeah, Mercedes' boss, Total Wolf, he, he, he's still opposed to reverse grids because he right. described the idea as being like NASCAR's chase for the cup. How is it like NASCAR's chase for the cup? Well, that, that's what I'm asking you, actually. Oh, well, it's <laughs> he... nothing. The chase, the chase for the cup is 16-12 and, you know, and a bunch of different races and you have to get into the playoffs. I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah, he's saying that... Uh, He's saying, sarcastically saying, I would have done reverse uh, grids in alphabetical order instead of just. <laughs> oh, he's saying that it's Mickey Mouse, as we say in England. Yeah, that's actually, that, we say that, that here too. It's not taking yeah. it seriously. And it's as, it's, as, it's as finagled as the playoffs, is what he's saying. What's an Austrian know about NASCAR? <laughs> right. How many, how many, yeah, how many Austrians have won a NASCAR race? <laughs> More importantly, the, the great one is going from NASCAR to Indy. And there he's going to go. join the other goat. We're going to have two goats at Ganassi, the goat, goat, goat team. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, talk about that. Well, uh, so this has been a great story that's been rumbling underneath motor racing since the get-go. And Jimmy Johnson announced preseason that he was going to do his final season in NASCAR and hang it up. And everybody, when NASCAR got underway, um, said, oh, it won't be his last season because he wants to say thank you to the fans and he wants to go to Darlington with a full crowd and Talladega with a full crowd. Um, but Johnson has steadfastly said, nope, I don't care. COVID is COVID. This is my last season. No ifs and buts. I'm out. Until yesterday, he had a test um, with Ganassi, but it was open field. He could have gone anywhere. And he signed up for 13 races, no ovals, road courses only, as a teammate to Scott Dixon, at Chip Ganassi Racing for two years. And um, who knows? He said in an interview with Dale Earnhardt Jr. on Dale Earnhardt's um, download, which you can listen to on SiriusXM and NBCSN. Um, but um, really good show, by the way. Um, <laughs> he said he wanted to do the whole series, the whole season, uh, whole series eventually, and that includes 500 and so on. So exciting times. And you know that Jimmy Johnson is not going to, you know, go half-heartedly into it. No. 
Uh, we got to take a break, but Les, you had a quote from Zach Brown you wanted to read before we went to the break. I'll tell you what, go ahead and take the break, and I'll have that ready. It's a little bit long-winded, but uh, some really good intake from that. All right, well, we'll have that. We're going to talk some IndyCar, and we'll be back after these minutes. Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky, the source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing, windingroadracing.com. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Austin's Talk 1370. Hello, I'm Felipe Massa, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, guys, I want to talk a little. We're gonna, we got, I think we have a caller on the line, but before we do that, I want to talk about, uh, just real quick, Logan Sargent, American Racing and FIA Formula 3 was battling for the championship, came down to the last race, and he ended up third in the championships and championship, and it was only by it was Piastri with 164 points, Porcher with 161, and Sargent with 160. Dropped off pretty dramatically after that, so it was really a three-man race. It's too bad we didn't get to see him see an American win that series. Also, real quick, um, I noticed on Twitter, Grosjean was trending in the United States after the first part of this race. You remember he had he had, he had a good race, and, and it was 
And, you know, normally when you see Grosjean trending, you think it's something else. But it's it's because Matt came on the show and told told me he loved him. <laughs> That's right. I believe we have caller Inga Strecka on the line. Inga, are you there? I am there. Ah, Loving great. She is. Great to have you, Inga. Where where are you today? Thank you. I'm home in my studio broadcasting to German radio, and I've just told them they have to take a break because I've got to talk to you guys. Awesome. Good well, girl. <laughs> what do you think today? So, <laughs> how is German radio taking the news of Vettel? <laughs> oh, you mean the new contract? We're all super happy. Of course, you know, I'm, I'm, that's my job secured for another couple of years, and then Mick Schumacher <laughs> is coming in. Yeah. And so, no, I mean, apart from that, yes, um, everybody is delighted, excited, happy. It's not that I didn't respect that move quite a long time ago, but um, I'm now happy to say I uh, told you so to a few people. Uh, it's easy yeah. to say that now. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Oh, no, you can see on my – you can listen to my podcast like in okay. – I think in May. Okay, okay. You know, as early as May. <laughs> I know. You're on top of it always. Yeah, but that's pretty cool. I mean – I, I did see where Vettel was saying he was fairly close to retiring, too. Well, he did say that. And it's quite funny because he said um, in, it was a German interview. And, and um, my colleague asked him, like, really, like, how close were you to go and retire? And he said, nah, which in German means close. But the, <laughs> uh, someone on the Internet thought it, it was nah, nah. As in, no. <laughs> yeah. So they wrote. A no on, uh, I think, Twitter and social media. And then someone was like, no, 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 you got to translate that. Nah means close. <laughs> ah, good, good intel. I like it. So what yeah. did you think of today's crazy day? Oh, my goodness. I felt like I was sitting back in Canada in that uh, press room when I was like almost having blisters on my fingers while I was um, doing the live like, Twitter ticker commentary for the official Formula One app. Uh, and you remember, I think that race was actually yeah. four hours. So we weren't four hours today, but it was quite long. It was exciting. And I have to say, I wouldn't vote a driver of the day, but I would just vote the halo or the safety of the cars, of the modern cars, to be hailed above everything else today because those crashes were really scary. And we are so lucky that nobody got injured. That's a good point. Yeah, we didn't I, even talk about that. And those were ugly. And you're right with, about the halo. What, what were you going to say, Jonathan? Yeah, I was going to say, what was Inga's take? We were talking earlier before you came on about the first safety car, which obviously was very controversial. But I thought Valtteri was totally within his rights because he didn't want anybody overtaking him. But I thought that the safety car was, was late in taking the lights off. But also the design of the circuit is such where he can't get off the track until you're on the straight. Right. That was pretty strange. And I've just listened to the press conference where um, Lewis said, well, he, you know, there was nothing else he could do. And everybody's been saying, no, he was totally right. And, and, and apart from that, yeah. he, like, nobody is allowed to overtake him before the start-finish line. And he sped up just at the start-finish line. He was not allowed to overtake the safety car naturally. So he was right. What happened was, in the back, the people saw green. They thought oh, it's getting on now. The race is restarting. They went on the struggle, but at the front, Bottas hadn't, which yeah. was fine for him. But the ones in the midfield in the back thought they could now speed up. And then they realized they couldn't. And that's why it all unfolded. And interestingly enough, Jack Aitken, one of the Formula 2 racers, he tweeted that um, that is um, 
actually happening in the junior formulas as well. Lewis Hamilton in a press conference said he thinks someone is switching off the safety car lights maybe a bit late, maybe sometimes to create additional excitement. And he was saying that in a very, very soft and quiet voice. Mm. Interesting. Well, Inga, uh, what about the other silly season story? Where do you think Sergio Perez is going to end up? Well, there's rumors that he is going to um, Racing Point. I think it's going to be Haas. There's also rumors he could go to Red Bull. Again, I think he's going to Haas. Hmm. I hope you're right, actually. I think he... Well, I think... it would be cool. It would be a perfect match, right? The American team, the Mexican driver. I mean, imagine if we had an Austin Grand Prix next year under yeah. hopefully normal circumstances. Huh, yeah. And if Paris would be in the Haas car. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Yeah, that's exactly what I said in the pre-show. Uh, yeah, and he still um, brings that money, right? <laughs> he still brings Carlos Slim's money into the into play, right? The money he flew back to Mexico for when he was visiting his grand uh, his mom and then called yeah. Corona. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. That money. <laughs> that money. Um, I mean, it all depends. A lot of it depends, I think, on Kimi, if he's staying or not. Yeah. And at the moment, my gut feeling is that he's staying. And I could see a combination Kimi as the experienced driver who by the way this weekend actually two days ago or one day ago 20 years ago exactly did his first formula one laps with the Sauber At car Magilla. in Mugello <laughs> that's yes, right that's I saw right, that. right so I could see very nicely Kimi as the experienced driver slash mentor um guiding Mick Schumacher into his first formula formula one year at Alfa Romeo Sauber yeah, hey, tell me what happened with that. Wasn't Mick supposed to do a Friday test? Well, that was quite funny because they were going like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was all RTL Germany, I think, mainly who put that news out. And then um, I think either it was a test to see how much media attention that would raise, right? <laughs> or it was it was just to create the news. But I do know Sabina came very well, and she's mainly the management of, well, Michael at the time Michael, and also yeah, Mick. And, Mick. and I think yeah. she is a very clever person and um, a very clever tactic person. And I think it would have been an overload to have Mick Schumacher being in testing um, in Mugello at that Ferrari 1000 Grand Prix. I think it was very cleverly done not to have him do that and rather just focus on him driving Michael's F2004, um, which just hearing the sound of that V10 <laughs> was just so brilliant, you know, and um, leave the focus on Leclerc, Fettel and the Ferrari celebration and the car. Yeah. Wise decision. Hey, uh, Inga, I want to ask you about Alexander Albon, Red Bull, you know, he, he had, with his first podium today, you could tell he had this weight lift off his shoulders, but we just were talking earlier in the, I think maybe the last show, but talking about how he had not really been that impressive okay. And do you think that, you know, you were talking about the, the Perez possibility of moving to Red Bull. What do you think about Albon and all that? Well, that's the thing. You know, he's, there's a question mark um, above Albon's name. But you've got to keep in mind, he is, he is Thai, like his mom is a Thai. And 51% um, of the Red Bull company are owned by a Thai family. 
Um, so there might be a reason why there is a Thai racing driver in the Red Bull team and why Dr. Marco, who's usually not very hesitant in criticising drivers if they're not performing, performing. and he is um, surprisingly positive and patient when it uh, comes to Alex Albon. And having said that, hats off to Alex. He performed today. He kept his nerves. And um, it's quite interesting to see that most times towards the end of the race is when he is improving his performance. And today that paid off. Well, Inga Strecker, we, 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 uh, we're almost out of time. Inga, thank you very much for coming on to give us your update from Germany. Good luck on the German radio over there today, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> my pleasure. And if um, you do understand Germany, you can listen to my podcast. There will be more news <laughs> about all this in my podcast. <laughs> well, there's plenty of Germans around here. <laughs> That's right. Well, go okay, to... I'll try to. I, I think, Jonathan, you and I should team up and get the boys in, in your crew in, and, uh, and, and we should do a podcast as well. I'm up for it. Ready to go. <laughs> All right. Let's make a plan. Thank you, Sean. <laughs> Thanks, Inga. Cheers. My pleasure. Hey, Les, I, uh, we've just got a minute. I, uh, before you have, I want to get two things in. I want to get uh, Jonathan's take on IndyCar real quick and then your Zach Brown quote. Jonathan, what are you, uh, what's your up IndyCar update? Well, IndyCar uh, doubleheader this weekend. Um, going into this weekend, Mid-Ohio is a six-time winner, Scott Dixon track, but he failed miserably to qualify yesterday and qualified down in 17th, redeemed himself to get into a top 10. Um, but Newgarten has uh, closed the gap. Will Power won the race from pole. Pretty boring race, really. Uh, no cautions. And um, Dixon saved his blushes, but he's lost out. And I think the gap is now 76 points with four races to go. I'd missed it. I was working with my son building my new F1 game gaming PC with lots of GTX video cards and such. How did my boy Connor Daly do? Uh, good. Uh, good day for Connor. Um, he was actually battling with um, Scott Dixon for top 10. But at one point, I mean, he qualified, I think, fourth in one of his best qualifyings. Uh, likewise, Jack Harvey. So I'm really pleased with both uh, Jack Harvey and, and Connor Daly's progress at the moment. You know, I mean, Connor especially is sort of flip-flopping between teams, and it's not easy uh, driving yeah. for Ed Carpenter and then, you know. That's his life, though. Seat. That's Connor Daly. That's that's his wife. But he's, but he's yeah. equipping himself well. Hey, Zach Brown's quote, Les. Hey, so I'll, I'll give you the abbreviated part. Go for the rest of it. Find it at motorsport.com. Zach Brown reports that this $200 million that uh, was going to be tied into new teams coming to the F1 grid says what the $200 million is intended to do is to protect the value of existing teams. It is as reported on Williams sale that less expensive, less than $200 million, and you get a lot more for your money than starting a new program. So uh, huh. again, protecting the franchise making sure this is a quality financial uh, so it's investment. encouraging people to buy into existing teams rather than arrive with a new one i don't know we shall see hmm. hey i'm zach brown another american in uh, in formula one man it's uh jonathan we're taking over your sport buddy i it's a it's a i'll tell you it's an interesting time to be involved in formula <laughs> one it really is changing <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I'm ready to get these headphones on off. I've had them on for five and a half hours. <laughs> thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next Sunday. Ciao, y'all.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.